Great. Yeah, we are going to start a new series this morning called Weakness into Strength. And uh, we are going to look at a verse in the book of Hebrews, and then we're going to look at three guys uh, over this next three weeks. And basically, the idea is that all of us, we're we're just normal people. There's none of us that is like a spiritual superhero. I don't think there's such a thing. Like we're all just normal, average, ordinary people. And we all have flaws. We all have failures. We all have weaknesses. And sometimes we can be afraid that we are going to be defined by those weaknesses or our failures or our flaws. We are going to be remembered for the worst thing we ever did. We're never going to be seen as like a strong spiritual example of faith. And the point of this whole lesson is to actually look at some people in the Bible, but give us some ideas, some tips, some practicals about how we could move forward so that we're not defined just by all the dumb stuff we do. How can we Like, learn to live in such a way so that we're not defined by our failures and we'll be remembered for our faith. And so here's the scripture we're going to look at in Hebrews. Now, this could have been like a 20-week series where we go through every single instance of Hebrews 11 and go through every guy and every girl that's talked about as a super faithful person and then show you in in the Bible that they're just normal people. But we're not going to do that. We're just going to look at the end here in Hebrews 11.32. This is what the Hebrew writer says. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk, to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped to the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. So this is like the end of what we sometimes uh, refer to as like the hall of faith. Like there's all these great people throughout the Old Testament. They did amazing faithful things. And this is kind of how it, this is kind of the wrap up towards the end. And what I love about this is he mentions three guys that we're going to look at. We're going to look at uh, Gideon, Barak, and Samson. Today we're going to look at Samson. He also mentions Jephthah. I'm not preaching on Jephthah because it's a weird story and... If there's a lesson in there, it, it's escaping me. <laughs> you can read it. He's like, man, Jephthah's a strange dude. Uh, it also mentions David and Samuel, which I think they get plenty of screen time. But one of the things it mentions, it lists these things. Like, they did this, they did this, they did this. But then it says that they turned their weakness into strength. And so that's what we're going to look at. What were the weaknesses of these three guys? Some of them have bad reputations. And we're going to embrace that and then kind of dig in. I hope that by the end of this, you can maybe see these three guys the same way that the Hebrew writer saw them. Because it would be easy to read the story of someone like Samson and be like, this dude is a mess. I will not put him in my list of like really awesome people. Same thing with Gideon and Barak, and we'll talk about that. But we're going to dig right into Samson. So Samson, what's the Sunday school version of Samson? What's VeggieTales Samson? Strong guy, long hair. Likes the ladies, right? 
if we had to wrap it up in a very short synopsis of Samson, strong guy, long hair, likes the ladies a little too much. And you're like, that's what I know about Samson. <laughs> uh, we don't have time to read like all the chapters ab- about Samson. I would encourage you, maybe during your quiet time this week, read the story of Samson. It's, it's, it's refreshing if you haven't read it in a long time to go back and reread it. There's a movie, if you've ever seen the movie Samson, surprisingly biblically accurate. Uh, there, I watched it with campus students who'd never read the story of Samson, only grew up with the Sunday school, and they're watching the movie like, is that in the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, that's in the Bible. And so it's easy for us to look at Samson and be like, this guy is messed up. No redeeming qualities in Samson. But that's not true. And I want us to kind of take Samson apart. Uh, we're going to, this will be kind of like a, not a 30,000 foot view, but this is up there. We're going to kind of take an overview of Samson. But again, I would encourage you, please read the story of Samson. And so one thing we're going to look at during this month is what are some things that we can do in our life so that we're not defined by our failures? But then the other thing is, and this is big in Samson, what can we do so that when someone else in the fellowship is trying to not be defined by their, their failures, we are sympathetic of them. Because what if you were only, if, if you were in a group of people that only saw you through the lens of the worst, dumbest thing you ever did? Could you ever grow? Could you ever feel close? The answer is no. A group of people can never grow in their trust and intimacy if every single person is looking like, yep, I look at you and I remember what you did. I look at you and remember what you did. I look at you and... And I think he just, he just walked out, so I'm going to talk about him behind his back. But Simon is a perfect example. Like, he came here when he was a kid. He was like 17 years old. Now he's a dad with his own... He's like, he's married with his own kids. Like, some of you might even look at Simon as still like that 17-year-old boy that came here. But we have to learn how to to look at people for their potential, their spiritual potential. And be able to see like, man, I see what you're doing. I respect it. I love it. I want to lift you up and honor you for that. And so as we go through this month, there's things that I want you to take away. Like, man, I need to do this so that I'm not defined by my my weaknesses. And I want to turn my weaknesses into strength. But then there's another part of this where it's like, man, as other people are trying to turn their weaknesses into strength, I'm going to help them. And so here's, here's one of the things I want to say about Samson. There is always way more to the story than you know just on, on first view. That VeggieTales version of Samson is so incomplete. And so that's why I would say, please read it. If you want to watch the movie, fine. The production value is, eh. But it's, a, it's an okay movie. But there's always way more to the story than you know in someone's life. And it's easy, especially like, you know, financial issues or COVID or whatever during the, during the last couple of years, where we're all just kind of like looking out of the world through our own window. And we're not getting the full and complete picture of anyone else. And so I just have to interpret. Well, this is what I see. And so that's who you are in my eyes. But we have to be able to move past that and learn about each other's stories. And so the story of Samson is very interesting. And this is one of the times where I've had to ask God, like, God, is this really what you do? 
is this how you roll? Because it just seems kind of unfair. Here's what, let's read the beginning. Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And there you're like, see? He's a womanizer. He's a lech. He's like, he's, he's a lustful dude. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to this uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She, she's the right one for me. Now here's the extra part. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time, they were ruling over Israel. Now this is the thing where it's like, oh, that's just so weird. Like, did God really move Samson's heart to fall in love with a girl that was off-limits, So that, not so that Samson could fall in love and have a happy life, so that they could pick a fight with their oppressors. Ugh, that's so crazy for me to wrap my brain around, and yet that is what it says in the Bible. And so I want to get into this this thing. Like, we we all have cards that we're dealt in life. And we all have to play the hand that we're dealt. Okay? But I need us to know that the hand that you play has something to do with your decision and something to do with the cards you were dealt. Does that make sense? Now we're going to judge a person based on the hand they lay down in any situation, but we don't know the cards they were dealt. And so it's easy for us, if I've got a good hand, I was dealt a good hand, and I see someone laying down something horrible, I'm like, you are bad at this game. And it's easy for me to judge their skill, their ability, their cleverness, their wit, their work ethic, their whatever, and yet never ask, like, man, maybe there's more to your story than I am, than I am initially like perceiving. And so, this is parenthetical. This is like, hey, nobody knew this at the time, but the, the author of Judges is like, now we know that God was doing this behind the scenes. And so Samson was like, hey, I want this woman. And they're like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't marry over there. And they didn't know that God was actually doing this for a reason and not a comfortable, happy reason. So this, this is Sam, Samson's wife. They get, they get married, kind of. We'll read that in a little bit. And he's head over heels in love with her, prompted by God. You can do with that what you want. But, but here's what the problem is. Now, you might, you might know from the VeggieTales or the Sunday School version that there's, like, that his people, her people, like, quiz him, and they have, like, a, and, and he does a riddle, and they, they figure out the riddle and all this stuff. But here's what's absolutely traumatizing about the story of Samson. He says, I want, I want my wife, and, and this is what happens to, to her. Later on, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father 
would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. So, first, first part of the, the hand that Samson was dealt was, hey, I'm going I'm to have you fall in love with this woman. And then he has to play that hand the best way he can. And he doesn't play it that well, guys. I'm just going to be honest. Samson's a, a lousy card player. The second hand that Samson has dealt is his wife is taken away from him. The woman that he loves is given to another man. We have no idea culturally like exactly how that went down, but maybe she was like, she was not into that and she was basically uh, molested and raped and married off to another man. And so Samson is like heartbroken, traumatized now. And he goes out and he responds, not very well, but maybe in accordance with what God was trying to do. And he, he hurts a lot of guys, a lot of Philistine guys. And then this is what happens. This is the, the third hand that, that Samson has dealt. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, Since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Etam. So this is the third hand that, that Samson was dealt. His, the woman that he loved, not only was she given to another man, but her and her dad were murdered. And, you know, he acts out violently. He acts out in revenge. He acts out, you know, viciously. Kills many people. And we think of, the, like I said, the, the veggie story, the veggie tales version, or the, the Sunday school version of Samson is where, you know, he was mighty and powerful and he killed a bunch of Philistines for the Lord. But we don't read this. Not what Samson did, but what was done to him. And this is why I have a lot of sympathy towards Samson. When I look at Samson, I see one of the most vivid examples in the Old Testament of like trauma, PTSD. Like this guy is messed up. If any of that happened to you, against, like, and it wasn't based on exactly what you did, but what was done to you. Um, you know, he goes and he decides, like, I'm going to go live in caves for a while. That's not something that a, a normal, you know, emotionally, mentally healthy person does. And so I want us to have some sympathy towards Samson. Because this is that first part of what we're trying to do. Like, there's going to be people in our fellowship or people that you meet and you're going to want to judge them based on the, the hand they laid down and never ask, like, man, what was the hand they were dealt? And so some of you even asked me advice on certain things over the, the years. And my, I try, I desperately try to, like, learn, like, the backstory, if you will. But we've all been through some, some wild stuff. I mean, we could just have a time of sharing, some bad news sharing. <laughs> Good news sharing gets old and boring. But if we had, to, we had a time of bad news sharing and we just kind of went around and said all the crazy stuff that has happened to us over the years, 
I think it would give us a perspective of compassion towards one another. And I have that compassion on Samson. I, I still hold him accountable for the, the bad decisions he made. But I also feel like, man, this is rough what he went through. Now, let us try to listen and learn and kind of peer in behind the curtain at each other's lives, each other's histories, each other's backstories. Like, what was it like for you growing up where you grew up? Because, I mean, I'm even just looking around. We grew up in a lot of different places, people. A lot of different family backgrounds, a lot of different financial situations, a lot of different ups and downs. I mean, I, I even just looking at this smallish group, because so many people are gone this morning, there's a lot of people that have trauma in their life. And that's just what I know. There's a lot I don't know. But do, what do you know? And so if we're going to move on, and we as a church are going to turn our weaknesses into strengths, this is part of it. We got to be able to look at each other's life stories and go like, man, I never knew that about you. It's so amazing that you've been through that stuff. And so the question is just this. Are you listening to people's stories? Not, you don't have to, you don't have to like listen for a little bit and then jump in with what you think would fix them. You don't have to listen while you're thinking about all the ways that they could do better. Just listen, just Just listen and learn about each other. And I think we as a a community need to grow in our, you know, our compassion, our ability to, to empathize with people. Even someone as messed up as as Samson. If I can feel compassion towards this philandering, murderous rampager, I can feel compassion towards anyone here and anyone out there. But we got to slow down, not jump to conclusions, and listen to people's stories. Amen? All right. Point two. I think this might be the last point. I don't know. The gift over the giver. Now this is, this is practical for us if we're trying to move and turn our weaknesses into strengths. Samson had a gift. That gift was, he was very strong. He was, a, he was a hefty dude. He, he, he did great various things, if you read the story, like lift a gate off its hinges and break things. Just He's tied up and he's just like... Pfft. Killed lots of people. He was a very strong person. And yet, why was he strong? Why? Where did that strength come from? The obvious answer is... God. And so here's a couple examples of where the Bible specifically and clearly lays that out. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men. A chapter later, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. For finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. And so here's two instances where the author of Judges is very clear where Samson's strength 
came from. And I think in the Veggie Tales, isn't this like the, uh, the, uh, the hairbrush, right? I haven't watched Veggie Tales in a long time, guys. Sorry. <laughs> and so we know, and this is very easy for us to sit here and say, yeah, of course, Samson's strength came from God. But for us, we need to do some work here. We need to start thinking about what, our, what are our gifts and where do they come from. Are you relying on God's gifts more than God? That should be a question mark, my bad. I want you to spend some time, maybe not here in, sitting in, in church, but maybe this week, maybe write it down and, and revisit it later. What are the things that I'm good at? What are my gifts? What are the things that I either, maybe I, I've been good at in my whole life, maybe they, uh, things just come naturally to me, whatever that is, like list to them. I've been told for like pretty much my entire young adult and, and adult life that, oh, Ben, you're very creative. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and I feel like there is, there's some work behind that. There's a work of creativity, but I feel like, oh, thanks. But I've been told that so much that it's easy for me to think that that's inherent to me and it's not something that maybe God has given me. Does that make sense? A weird one uh, that is getting less and less by the, by the year is I'm pretty good at functioning on not much sleep. I mean, I'm no like James Murtis or anything. But, but for most of my life, you know, give me five, six hours and I'm good. That's fine. I don't need like eight, nine hours. And, and yet, I never stop to ask like, well, why is that, why is that in me? Like, why is that a, a part of my character or my... My personhood, maybe you have a really great work ethic. Maybe you have, you're, you're really hospitable. Maybe, maybe if you're like my wife, you are amazing with like administration and money. And you have a mind for business and numbers. Like you, that makes sense. And that's your gift. And, if, and if, there was, if there was an author, if there was a biblical author writing about the, the story of your life, would they make special mention to say that the Spirit of the Lord became powerfully on him so that he could, or she? It's, it's not as obvious as this massive superhuman strength, right? So we don't take it to God. We don't credit God for it. We don't say, oh yeah, this is my gift and it, it came from God and uh, he's using it to fulfill a purpose. We just go, well, that's mine. I, that's me. That's who I am. And so list them out. Like, think about all the things you're good at. Then ask, like, man, did God, did God give me this? And if so, did he give me this for a purpose? Or have you decided that that thing is yours and did not come from God? Here's another way to ask this. When was the last time you prayed to God for something you already had? 
It's a very strange question. But I started to, I started to realize when I went into ministry, like, this is a kind of a, a strange backstory for me. I went to school to be a teacher and then quickly realized I don't want to be a teacher. I went to school to be a photographer, but then when I came back from California, I was like um, working at the mall. I was, I was in retail management at the mall. It was a glorious life. But I sold planners at Franklin Covey. Does anybody remember Franklin Covey? The planners and the Palm Pilots and all that stuff. And I was like the top salesperson at Franklin Covey. <laughs> but I was like, I don't care about any of this stuff. Like, I don't know anything. Like, I guess I'll learn. And it quickly became obvious, like, man, one of the things I love that's carried me through, like, my love of teaching and um, photography and retail and whatever I'm doing, like, I love learning things. And I feel like that is one of the most important parts of my character that no one cares about. But I love learning. If we get into a conversation, I'm just like focused. I'm like, man, teach me about whatever you have. It wasn't until we went into ministry when I had to learn new things that I didn't know that I actually started like going to God for this. Like, I love learning. God, I feel like you put this in my heart to learn. Please help me learn whatever it is. I mean, even like the guitar or whatever, like whatever I had to, whatever I had to learn to do my job better. And so I started praying like, God, this is in me, like, but it's from you. Like, help me, help me do this thing. But often the things that we have, we feel like, well, I have it already. I don't need to ask God for the thing I already have. And I would just challenge you. I would challenge you to try. Think about the things you're good at. Think of it like a muscle. And the next time you're about to flex that muscle, like that hospitality muscle or that work ethic muscle or that creativity muscle or that administration muscle, like literally, if you're the person in your family that does the bills, when it's time to sit down and like balance the checkbook or pay the bills, like pray about it. Like, God, please let me have your spirit to help me with this thing that I already have. I just need you. Now here's what's crazy. Samson, in the entire story of Samson, we know, like, up to Delilah, everybody knows about Delilah, the, the, the woman that, like, she, you know, um, like, traps him and he gets his strength taken away. And then he's, he's captivated, his eyes are poked out, like he's in prison, he's a slave. His life is, like, over. From the beginning of Samson until that point where it seems like everything is over, we never, there's no written example of Samson ever doing this, praying for his strength. Samson is like, I'm strong, so I'm going to act. I'm this, so I'm going to do this. And then at the end, we see this. This is at the end. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And guys, I feel like this is, this is what we do. This is, you don't know what you have till it's gone, right? 
so this is the only instance in the Bible of Samson actually saying, like, God, I need that thing that you gave me. And it's at the end. And God makes him strong, and he knocks down the building, and, you know, all, you, you know that's back to the VeggieTales version. But what about us? Do we pray for the thing that we already have? Or do we rely more on our gift than the person who gave us those gifts? And so, we're, gonna, we're talking about taking all of our weaknesses and our flaws and our failures, and we're moving on, and so that one day we'll be remembered as someone who's faithful, who's strong, who's capable, who's a good example. I think we, we have to, at some point in our life, we have to do what Samson did, which is go back to the giver and not just the gift. And it's not going to be as flashy for us as superhuman strength. None of us are going to do any of this stuff. But that doesn't mean we don't have gifts. It doesn't mean we don't have something in us that God put there to fulfill a purpose. But what is that for you? And so, here's where I'm going to say it again. This is a great thing to have a conversation with other people. To like sit down, talk to some, someone over coffee, and brainstorm. Like, what, is, what am I good at? Do I rely on myself? Do I think that that's mine? Or could I take that to God more often than I am doing? Gosh, if we had, if the, our whole church had those conversations, that would be amazing. Because the place we want to get to is a place of honor. And we're going to go back to, um, we're going to go back to Hebrews. So let's read that scripture again in Hebrews. In Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, quenched to the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. And if you read the story of Samson, like several of these things apply to Samson. He did these things. But the one that I want us to focus on for the next three weeks is they turned weakness into strength. And we, we can be remembered as faithful. If someone were writing the story of our life, including every bad thing we've ever done, it would be easy for someone detached to look at it and go like, this guy's, this guy's insane. This guy's a disaster. If, if my life was written down like that, everyone who read it would be like, this guy is crazy. But then how can we go from all of our failures and all of our weaknesses to something that someday someone will look at and go, that's a powerful example of faith. I want to be like that guy. It's possible. But, and this is what we're going to talk about the next two weeks, wherever you're at now, you need to move forward in a way that is faithful. Because what happens to us as human beings, this is just natural human behavior, 
we get bogged down in all of our failures and all of our weaknesses and all of our flaws. And we decide, well, this is what life is. This is who I am. So what does my future look like? It looks like this. My future looks exactly like my present, which is defined by my past. And so we, we have no like, plan or scope of growth, no trajectory of faith. And I remember, guys, I'm just going to be really real. I, I remember when I was just like barely hanging on to my faith. And I, I saw the future, and it was not good for me. I was like, I'm going to be the most faithless, boring, like, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm going to do anything good with my life if I stay on this path, this trajectory. And so what that takes, though, is repentance. Metanoia. Like, I'm going to change my mind, I'm not going to think the way that I thought before. I'm going to get the way I see the world back in line with the way God sees the world. So what does that mean? I look at my current situation like this. How does God see my current situation? I see my money and my finances like this, but how does God see those things? I see my wife or my kids or my family or my house or my car or whatever. My job, I see them like this, but how does God see them? And when you get your thinking and your vision and your mind in the same way that God is looking at it, that is pure repentance. And you move forward in that, and amazing things happen. And so now we can still look back and think Samson's just a crazy, messed up guy. But we're missing the thing that the Hebrew writer saw. We're missing like, man, we got to give Samson some benefit of the doubt. He was dealt three bad hands. God turned his heart to love this woman. That woman was then given to another man. And then that woman and her family was murdered. And Samson had to make all these decisions that we read about in that like horrible trauma. So can we be sympathetic towards that? And can we be just as sympathetic towards one another? Man, I see what you've been through. You have my utmost sympathy. But then, the step that we need to make is, okay, I have these gifts. I need to, make sh- I need to remember that these gifts came from God. These are not mine. And I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to start moving forward in that life of repentance where I give God all of the glory and honor for that. Amen? Guys, so this is Samson. So what we're going to do is, the next two weeks, we're going to look at two more guys, and each one of those guys has more things that we're going to add to our toolbox. But the first, this week, was just those two. We need to listen to each other's stories and understand there's more to everyone's story, and then we need to understand the difference between the gift and the giver. Amen? And so that, and then hopefully, by the time we get to this one, this mountain, this this might not make any sense to you, but this mountain is kind of like a lame mountain. (laughs) Uh, This is not the most glamorous mountain in the world, but this is a very specific mountain that we're going to look at later and how uh, it perfectly embodies the idea of weakness into strength. So with that, uh, Steve Mask is going to do our communion today. So come on up, Steve. Thank you, guys.